You know, the um, when you're growing up, your parents say you have to eat everything on your plate if you want dessert. And so we race through dinner to get to dessert. And what adults need to realize is they're at dessert now. And racing through dessert doesn't do you any favors. So the opportunity I think we have is most importantly to enroll in the journey of deciding to become somebody else. That it's one thing to say, I want to do this because I'm curious, but it's another thing to say, I'm doing this because I will use this moment to engage in other activities that transform me into someone I can be even more friendly with. Hey, this is your host, Debbie Weil. Welcome to Gap Year for Grownups, a podcast for those who believe in a timeout to reinvent your life, especially at 50 plus when you're figuring out what comes next, and for anybody being forced right now to reinvent yourself. Today, I talk with the one and only Seth Godin. Seth writes one of the most popular blogs in the world. He has millions of readers. He's been blogging for almost 20 years about marketing, but really about life. Most notably, he blogs every day, seven days a week. Suffice it to say that when Seth talks or writes, people listen. He always makes you think. For me, and for thousands of others, he's an unofficial mentor, sitting on your shoulder like Jiminy Cricket, and challenging you to think bigger or deeper and always more truthfully. I got to know Seth about 15 years ago. He was holding funky workshops in a walk-up space in Chinatown in Lower Manhattan. They were very Seth. There were no handouts. You were not allowed to take notes. He encouraged questions by handing out prizes. And he served weird, or for the time weird, vegetarian snacks. Always there was his insistence on authenticity and consistency. I was working on my book about blogging, and he suggested that I call myself the Mona Lisa of blogging. I did, for a time. Seth has published 19 best-selling books. The Dip and Lynchpin are two of my favorites. And in the past five years, he's gotten very deeply into online learning through the organization he founded called Akimbo. It's also the name of his podcast. But take the emphasis off online learning, because it's really the future of learning that Seth is interested in. A future that leverages the wisdom of your cohort, the people you are enrolled with. One of his online learning projects is a podcast fellowship, and it's where this podcast was born and where I met Julie Roxanne, our producer. I invited him on the show after his recent blog post about taking a gap year, to hear his thoughts about gap years and anything else on his mind during this unprecedented time. We talk about what this pause has been like for him for the past several months, how his life is an art project, what you might consider doing with your time right now, why in-person learning is not necessarily better, the future of business travel, the importance of mindset and how changing that might be enough and building the habit of initiative. Be sure to check out all the links in the show notes to learn more about Seth's projects and books. Let's jump right in. Seth, welcome to the show. Debbie, it's so good to talk to you again. It's been a while. It has. You know, you you wrote a blog post recently titled, Consider a Gap Year. So of course, immediately I had to invite you to 
come on the podcast. And your post was mostly about students facing a potentially ineffective college experience with online classes this fall. But you also mentioned adults. So why is the term gap year a terrible expression? And what is your definition of a gap year? Well, there are only two semi-successful gaps in the world, the Gap Store and David Letterman's Teeth. But in every other area of our life, if someone says there's a gap, what they mean is there's a break in between the good stuff. And that's not a good thing. But a gap year isn't a break from reality. It is reality. That what we've built is this uh, educational industrial complex that lasts for 12 or 20 years educating you, and then 50 or 70 years industrializing you to do a job that makes capitalists happy. But if you can take a gap in that parade and use that moment to level up, to dig deep, to make discoveries, to engage, to contribute, I think that's the whole point. And we probably got too seduced into being in lockstep. Mm. Have you ever taken a gap year or your kids? I have spent 43 summers up in Canada, never long enough. Uh, the longest was three months teaching canoeing north of Toronto. And my kids uh, did not take a gap from formal education, but they were basically, they went to public school and were homeschooled at the same time. So the projects that they did, the self-directed work that they did, I'm going to count that with an asterisk. <laughs> I like that. So we're all living this kind of gap life right now. It feels like that. It's, you know, between the old normal and the new normal, it's a, a pause, an enforced pause. Can, can we just call that a gap period? Or it might even be a year, a gap year. Or do you think we have to be more intentional about it? Well, there are two challenges besides the tragedy that we're all living through right now, unevenly distributed. One challenge is it's forced, and the other challenge is it's fraught. And many people who could be using this to advantage are worrying and watching media instead, as if that proactive uh, effort on their part to consume the breaking news of the day is helping anything get better. Because it's forced, we're not enrolling in the journey the way we could if it was optional. And so the work that many people are doing in this time of trouble is not intentional. It is simply surviving. And the shame of it is that if you had had the chance, while the whole world was on pause, to also go on pause and learn something extraordinary, you could really make magic with it. But instead, we're squandering it on Netflix and CNN. Was well, it too late? We're not done. Well, I don't know when we're going to air this, but no, it's never too late. You know, the thing is that it used to be a gap year needed to match the calendar. But now it's totally appropriate in five days for you to dig in deep and learn, you know, read Lewis Hyde's book from cover to cover with a highlighter, something you never would have spent the time doing if you knew you had to get back to work. Um, that idea that we can, with intent, change the way we see the world I mean, that's what we're building at Akimba. We are trying to build these workshops so that in 30 days or fewer, people can really dive in and do work as opposed to acting like they're back in school. Mm. 
Well, that actually, that brings me to this question I jotted down. Um, do gap year changes have to be big or can they be little? Is it, you know, taking a risk, trying something new? So when you get back from this year, let's call it a year, the question is, are you seeking more of what you left or are you using it as a chance to be in a different place? And both of them are right, but it's an interesting choice. So if you are a, a dentist and you spend six months developing a specialty, when you come back, you're still going to be a dentist, but now you're going to be a dentist that also has a certification in who knows what, cosmetics. Uh, the alternative is to say, I had a good run for eight years developing things in, I don't know, books, and now I'm going to be a software person. And your skill and reputation from the book world is going to help you make that leap, and you're going to get the magic of a new beginning. But I think it takes time. I mean, you mentioned a week to read Lewis Hyde's book, which I'll, I'll put in the show notes. Um, but from my own experience, having taken a gap year, which was actually, well, I think my husband and I called it 15 months because that's what they do in the UK from mm -hmm. June to the following September. Of course, we're still leading a gap life, but there's something about time passing, just more time than you might even I agree. Imagine to sort of have your mindset change. So what, what, what are your thoughts on that? I, I totally agree. I just think it's a hard sell. And so if we can get people to start with a week or a month, maybe they'll get hooked on it. But yes, I think that as humans, we are organized and optimized for the kind of changes that can take place over a year, not so much a week. Because if you know it's only a week, then you'll let reality creep in after three days and the next thing you know you haven't really done anything why is there so much fear at least among adults generally about taking a gap year when they know that students travel and work on farms in new zealand and do all these cool things uh is it just about the money or is it something else well i think part of the problem that gap year has had is it's been positioned as a fancy thing for rich kids when it doesn't have to be um we know all the data shows that if you take a gap year before you go to college, you're going to do better in college and all your outputs are going to be better as well. But if you're an adult, I think that there are two big problems. One is, do you trust that the thing will pay off? Do you trust that this time away will be worth it? And then the second one is, do you trust yourself? Do you trust yourself enough to become somebody else? And a lot of people don't. A lot of people would be are happier signing up for a video course they know doesn't work, that's entertaining, than they are signing up for a workshop that they believe will change their life. Because to do the second one, you have to trust yourself to believe that when you have a new life, you'll be able to make something of it. Hmm. I think it's, you know, I think it's uncertainty, and just from all the people I've spoken with, sort of not knowing for sure how it's going to turn out, which is kind of the same thing. But that's saying. crazy because you don't know for sure how what you're doing now is going to turn out. Yeah. Or whether you'll be alive tomorrow or whether the bus is going to run you over. But I've been thinking about that because, uh, as I told you right before I reached out to you, I had already been thinking about um, doing an episode called, you know, are, shouldn't we all, aren't we all taking a gap year? Um, and so your answer is very interesting because I think it's yes and no, but it was mostly no but there's an opportunity here, I think, if people 
turn their heads around it about, and I don't just mean that you can work from home and do your meetings via Zoom, but what what else would you? Well, I'm not sure I think that I have any standing to say everyone should do something, but uh, as soon as everyone is doing it, it's going to feel very industrialized all over again. That part of the pitch is no one's expecting you to go do this. That's a great reason to go do it. And yes, the money thing is a really significant thing. We live in a super privileged world. Many of the people who are listening to this uh, have resources, but many of the people are already in debt. And if you're already in debt, having your income go down to zero for six months or a year is a really scary thing. So I think it begins with doing the hard work to get yourself out of debt because a life spent out of debt feels different than one that's spent in debt. Well, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I agree with you. I, but I do think, and I've talked to so many people, that there are creative ways to step out of your default life um, and do something different by renting your house and uh, doing a swap or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You just have to think a lot more creatively. Or um, I interviewed the producer for this very podcast who's now living in Guatemala with her husband. And one of the things they said is they pared down. They just sure. got rid of stuff and they have a very inexpensive lifestyle. Um, so the money thing is, well, you're right. It, it is for, it has been for the privileged and even for adults, I think, who are privileged. But uh, but I also think it's, 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 it's a cover. Oh, well, I can't do that. You know, we can't afford that. And, you know, there might be a way. Depends if you have a whole family and kids and so forth. But... Um, yeah, I, I want to know how you've been the past couple of months. Have you slowed down or paused or is this life as usual for Seth? Um, well, my life has sort of been an art project for a long time and I am super lucky to get to do what I want to do. And artists and playwrights and people like that, they don't say, how little can I get away with? They say, how much can I put on this canvas and can I add one more line to this play? So for me, it's sort of been a race to say, how can I help? How can I write or create and put something into the world for people before I won't be able to do that anymore? And it's been exhausting, but I'm so much better off than so many other people, but it's been exhausting. And I think the sprint in many ways was worth it. That's what I'm hearing, but it's the way I want to spend my day. So I've tried to build a a life that I don't want to take a vacation from, but at some point I'll probably have to take a vacation from it. So you're saying you haven't really changed your daily operation, how you live. Well, I've changed it. On March 6th, I sent everybody home and I haven't seen them in three months. Mm. Uh, And so I have been quite isolated physically, but um, just decided that skulking, around wasn't going to help me spend these days the best way I knew how. So instead I've been trying to write and create video and lead community because I like doing it and it is well received. So I feel like it is a generous contribution to make and it's better than sitting home watching Gilligan's Island. Oh, there's better things than that on Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, have you considered in, in your own mind, because I think of you just as being one of the most, if not the most intentional person that I've met, um, saying to yourself, 
okay, somehow I'm going to do things differently. And I don't just mean via Zoom. Or, does right. that, or as you say, is it just not necessary? Because I, I think of you as living a, quote, gap life because it's full of creativity. Right. It's, a and, life. it's a project life. Um, so you don't need, I guess, you don't need a gap here. Right. I, I, if you look at my blog post, 30 Years of Projects, you can see that, that I don't do what I used to do. And that's true every five years. So, uh, you know, I've cut my speaking down because I canceled everything. But going forward, airplanes are going to be a thing of the past for me. And so then there'll be a new project to take the place of getting on stage. I want to be very careful that I'm working for the work, not working for the organization, because the organization exists to serve the work, not the other way around. What about that travel thing? Travel is important for a lot of us. If it's not for work, for speaking engagements, for hungering to see the world, understand the world, what's going to happen? Oh, I am super bad at predicting things like this, but it is hard for me to see how we're going to get to the spot where at the drop of a hat, someone races to the airport and spends $200 and flies somewhere. Uh, I think that, you know, there were some conferences through the years that were amazing and most of them were mediocre, but people went because they went. I think that getting someone to start that habit again, particularly in the middle of a really, really bad prolonged recession, isn't going to be easy. Um, and I think that people are discovering that there's a lot in their own backyard that they can experience as travel without having to fly across the world. That doesn't mean travel disappears forever because humans love to do it. I just think that that industry was built on surplus. And when that surplus is not there so much, it's hard to have that industry work. Mm. So do you feel like your life is on pause at all? It doesn't sound like it, because I was going to ask if you thought maybe you'd add in a few things, like take up a musical instrument or learn another language. It doesn't sound like there's time for that. Um, I'm actually making a banjo right now and carving it myself out of wood. It probably will not be a very good banjo. And um, no, I have not used this period of time the way some might. And I think it's partly because I'm the boss, and so whenever I'm ready to do that, I can do that. I just did not have to sit down with myself and say, this is your window to do X, Y, or Z. So what would you advise those listening who uh, maybe don't have a lot of resources to, well, they're certainly not going to get on a plane and travel, but have a little more time right now because of lack of a commute or whatever to Use that time right. more wisely. Start is it start meditating? Is it keep a journal? Is it what would you advise people sort of dipping their toe into this idea of change via a timeout? You know, the um when you're growing up, your parents say you have to eat everything on your plate if you want dessert. And so we race through dinner to get to dessert. And what adults need to realize is they're at dessert now. And racing through dessert doesn't do you any favors. So the opportunity I think we have is most importantly to enroll in the journey of deciding to become somebody else. That it's one thing to say, I want to do this because I'm curious, but it's another thing to say, I'm doing this because I will use this moment to engage in other activities that transform me into someone I can be even more friendly with. Mm. 
it sounds like, and by the way, I think I agree with you, that this could be changing your mindset as much as exactly changing what you're doing or where you're living. We'll talk about that a little bit. So you meet people who say, I hate my job. And then you meet someone who has exactly the same job who says, I love my job. You meet people who say, I don't have enough. And then you meet someone who has exactly what they have, who says, I can't believe the bounty that's available to me. Mindset, possibility, the sense of abundance or whether we bring grit or anger or whatever to our day, our work, that's the point, is change that and you have succeeded. And the stuff that you need to use to change it, the point is not macrame or reading a book. The point is, did the thing you were doing help you change your mindset? Because living life with a better mindset is something you get forever. Mm, I agree. Um, you know, I've followed you and read your books and been to your, do you remember your funky workshops in Chinatown? That was over no. 15 years ago. So many things. Um, and bucking the status quo is like one of your central themes. So how does that work right now? for people that are forced, as you put it, into this fraught period. And so I guess the status quo is we have to stay home, we have to do this, we have to do that. How do you, how do you buck the status quo right now? Well, um, I would say my thing is not about bucking, it's about improving and seeing what the status quo is, trying to figure out what the status quo is for, and then figuring out how to make it better. So I'm not saying that people should stop sheltering in place and run around without a mask. What I'm saying is let's think hard about why the Zoom meeting was run the way it was and what was the meeting for in the first place and what could we replace it with. And if we can bring that mindset to the things we do all day, I think we'll discover several hours a day could become much more productive or much more enjoyable rather than just getting stuck into a rhythm we have not examined. You know, on the topic of the, at the very beginning of your blog post, you basically say college students or say entering college students are facing a fall where the school says, well, we'll just do it online. And you say, don't waste your money. Um, I, I, you know, I thought the very same thing. I have a couple of nieces who are starting college or maybe starting college. What are we seeing more clearly what simply needs to be done face-to-face, in-person, in, in, you know, in a, in a group, in that, the, getting that group dynamic and feedback versus what you can do via Zoom? Is it clearer now? No, I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think this is in-person is good and Zoom is bad. I think this is uh, stuck, arrogant college uh, leaders refusing to spend the time over the last five years to advance the state-of-the-art. Uh, we're running right now uh, a free workshop for 100 graduating seniors from college from all over the world, really all over the world, five days. It started yesterday. It's being run by two of our coaches. And in just the first 12 hours, these kids have made more connection, leveled up more, seen more, and engaged more than they did in a month of in-person school. Because you got to use the tools of what the tools are good at. There's a reason that email doesn't start with uh, Dear Debbie and end with Sincerely Yours, 
because email is not mail stuffed through a pipe. And it got us to SMS. And SMS is definitely not mail stuffed through a pipe. So if you're going to say Zoom is a professor stuffed through a pipe, it's going to be horrible. But if you use it to build powerful workshops and giving people learning instead of education, it's transformative. It's magic. But these schools have the temerity to show up and say, well, we just started working on this a few weeks ago. It'll be fine. And mm. the answer is it, it won't. Oh, I agree with you completely, by the way. Uh, one one topic we haven't really touched on. My the, This podcast is called Gap Year for Grownups. And technically, you know, the sort of subtext is for old people, for people getting older, older than, I don't know, 50, 55, 60. Uh, any thoughts on that? And I forget how old you are now, but as you look ahead on this whole idea of, can you still be relevant if you're older? What should you, what should you be doing with your time? Uh, you know, David Brooks' um, legacy virtues, what well, how should you be thinking about your life? What's different? Because uh, you said something about you might be get exhausted at some point. Are you looking ahead to when you're, quote, old or older? We like to say older. Well, I like uh, science fiction books. And one of the recurring themes is immortality. And people who are immortal in science fiction books are never happy. And what we've done is not only have we extended life by another decade, but we made it so that the last decade we punish you relentlessly until you're in pain and have lost your faculties. Uh, so we've got this weird expectation of the future, which is on one hand, we're living longer, richer, healthier than our grandparents by far. And on the other hand, we have no idea when the downward slope hits and when it does, it's long and painful. So if someone's waiting to reinvent, I would encourage them not to because uh, you're going to be old for a long time. And it's better, I think, to dive in now when you really have a lot at stake than it is to just uh, take it up when you're getting Reader's Digest in the mail. <laughs> That's not still, does it still exist? I don't remember. I don't remember. My wife used to work there. And every year, the average uh, age of a reader went up by one year until it got to the point where the average age of a reader was dead. But I don't know if they're still around or not. Well, I'm just curious, when you look ahead, what at what age does, does old start? I have no idea. I keep, I keep redefining it. There are definitely things I used to do that I don't even try anymore, like skate skiing on the bike path. Because after I tore my hamstring at 54, I was like, no, this is never going to happen again. And when you start saying, no, this is never going to happen again, that's sort of the definition at some level of old. But I wouldn't trade it any of it. Um, the, the journey is thrilling. And I don't know what I'd do with myself if I was 24. Well, I, I agree. And I join the club of redefining what old is because it just keeps getting pushed out. If you could suggest one change that people should make during this period that you so aptly described as forced and also fraught? One change, what would it be? I think building a habit of initiative, figuring out how to be the person who starts the conversation or organizes the Zoom call over dinner or picks out uh, a new book and starts a book group around it or decides to level up in one area or another. What percentage of your day are you reacting? What percent are you responding? 
And what percent are you initiating? Oh, I like that. I think that's good. So any parting thoughts on gap years or a gap life? It's just so generous of you to do the show. And I hadn't known that you were doing it. I'm thrilled to discover that you are. So thank you for leading us. Oh, Seth, thank you. This is so much fun. That's a wrap for this episode of Gap Year for Grownups. If you're feeling inspired, you can leave a review on iTunes. It really means a lot. And if you've got ideas for future shows or topics, you can email me at thegapyearpodcast at gmail.com. And remember, however you want to reimagine your life, now is the moment. Don't wait. This is Debbie, your host. Till next time.